welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining us from Dallas is Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. And relocating from Mexico, he is mm-hmm. now in Chicago, is Tim Bonteps. Hello, guys. He He's drinking a regular Coca-Cola. Like... Dude, you might as well mainline just straight sugar in your veins. You're not going to make it to 40. <laughs> every Maybe that's now my and goal. Then, every now and then a fountain Coca-Cola is enjoyable. I like the fountain every now and then. Um, that's my view. Um, so, by the way, Bontab says the guy who never has a beverage that's not water over there. Let's just listen. Let's I have that out. I have a a beer fridge now and I would, <laughs> Von Temps, you would be able to appreciate this. It was loaded up for my birthday. It is a thing of beauty. I can imagine you've, you've got a lovely fiance. I'm not surprised. So that's I, good. I, care of me. I will. I, I'm, I, I remember the Eastern European player that I used to cover who I won't say who, who's a great guy and um, likes to drink. And when he got married, his friends, Cause you know, McMahon is engaged, you know? So he get when he, his friends kicked in and bought him a tap, mm. uh, you know, or, you know, they installed the tap in his, uh, in his basement. And he said, the reason that he, his friends did it was so that his wife wouldn't know how much. He was <laughs> <laughs> so That's just think bad. about that beer fridge. You know, uh-huh. can be cataloged. <laughs> she she can count very well. Yeah. Um, great. I wish I could say his name, but I don't know if that story is is uh, is authorized to be told publicly, so I won't say it. Great guy, though. As many Eastern Europeans I've met are. Um, so we have a major uh, uh, event unfolding in the NBA, although I think it's going to kind of be a slow speed crash here um, with Ben Simmons. Um, let me just recap. It's like a sinkhole. It's not even a slow speed crash. <laughs> like it just keeps getting worse. Um, based on what I have been told by talking to people involved, what has been reported by Woj and reported by elsewhere, here's what I think the sequence of events have been. And we talked about this last week, but now it's crystallized a little bit more. And uh, Bontemps, please jump in if you think. Uh, I know you love to jump in. Jump in if you think I'm getting this. Uh, I'm this wrong. All good. Ben Simmons good. has a miserable end to the playoff series against the Hawks. We all remember the night where he doesn't take the layup, mm-hmm. uh, passes instead to Matisse Thibel, and Joel Embiid after the game says, well, we had a possession where we were going to tie the game, and instead we ended up with one free throw. Um, and also that night, Doc Rivers, I think we were doing a pod live not, I mean, it was like it was after the game. We waited after the game to record it. And as we were doing the pod, the Doc Rivers quote, where I can't remember the exact line, but he basically said, I, hey, I don't know if a, this guy can be a championship point guard. Basically, he was, he, yes, he was asked, can Ben Simmons be a championship point guard? And he essentially said, I don't know. And this okay. was after Doc all season long bent over backwards to pump up Ben Simmons and talk about how great he is. And then it was just like, eh, okay, listen, I don't know about this dude. And earlier in the playoffs, like Edmont, I remember because I was covering, quote unquote, covering that Sixers uh, series. Uh, was it with the Wizards? 
with the Wizards. And like he opened a press conference on an off day and like didn't take questions right away. Just went on like a four minute long lecture for Philly fans uh, mm-hmm. and <laughs> sports radio hosts who didn't appreciate Ben Simmons. You'll appreciate him when he's gone is essentially what he said. And then that's what he said at the end of the season. So shortly after that went down, uh, what I believe Woj reported earlier this summer was that Ben asked to be traded. Um, and I think... Which Daryl based- Moore replied with, dude, we've been trying. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but actually, I think their plan was they knew that his value wasn't going to be very, very good. And so I think that their plan was... Let's not trade him now. Let's try to get into next season and recover some of his value and then look to trade him next season. But then Ben Can I make I one can I make one small correction to that? Yes. I think the plan in Philly has been the same to McMahon's point the entire time, which is if Ben Simmons could turn into James Harden or Damian Lillard or someone of that ilk, I think they've always wanted to do that. I just think that at the end of the season, to your point it was going to be hard for them to get that kind of player in that moment. And so the best thing they could do was to patch things up for as long as they could until they could turn around and turn him into who they want. Okay. Right. He, he's even... talking James Harden, Damian Lillard, not CJ McCollum, uh, you know, Buddy Heald or whoever it may be. Right. So, um, so then Ben asked to be traded. So the Sixers then go out and have trade discussions. And based on what I was hearing, from executives who were talking to them, they were asking for trade packages for Ben that implied he was at the top value he possibly could have been, as if he was a first-team or borderline first-team All-NBA player, um, multiple first-star players. Like They were making offers that were not really in a way to actually get talks going. Mm -hmm. And teams walked away from that saying, well, they don't actually really want to trade him. They're just sort of checking the box that they made some sort of offer or made some sort of discussion. And as Tim just, as Bontemps just said, the belief by these executives, although it wasn't like the Sixers were saying this, was they were waiting for Dame Lillard or Bradley Beal to Mm -hmm. ask for a trade. And then they were going to come in and actually try to seriously make a deal. Um, Ben Simmons was aware of this. He was aware that these offers were going out there that were not going to get any traction. So um, in the, by the way, when the trade demand was made initially, it was Rich Paul telling Daryl Morey, Ben wants to be traded. Then last week, Josh Harris, Doc Rivers, and Daryl Morey, there may have been other people, but I know those three flew out to LA where Ben has been working out and posting videos and met with him. And from what I understand, their intention from that meeting, and by the way, for the owner who owns a lot of businesses and is a busy guy, for the owner to go out there, I think that's significant. Mm -hmm. Um, To take a six-hour flight, even I'm sure it was on a very lovely private jet, but for the owner to come out there and go to Ben, I think was an indication of where this had reached. It was the owner wanting to deliver the message face-to-face. Ben was there at this meeting. Um, not over Zoom, in the room, wherever it was. I'm sure it's some very nice house. Um, And at that meeting, 
from what I am told, basically what the Sixers wanted to communicate to Ben was we had some trade talks. There's no trade for you right now. Let's all get on the same page and get ready for training camp. Let's try to get something going. And then if things don't work out <clears throat> when your value is rebuilt a little bit, <clears throat> then we can revisit this at, the, at at some point later in the season. Can we all get on the same page here? Um, let's do that. And Ben had the exact opposite. And what I will tell you is when you cover the league for a while, there is a difference between um, a player having his agent ask for a trade to the general manager and the player himself in person looking at the owner face to face and saying, trade me. Uh, and in this particular case saying, if you don't trade me, I'm not going to come to training camp. And that is what I believe happened last week. So whatever happened over the summer, you know, I think it got serious last week. And so that's where we are. And, um, but the thing is, Bontemps is that this now getting public and it did, it stayed private for roughly a week. I think the, I think the meeting was last Monday or Tuesday and it didn't get public until this Philly Inquirer reported it, I think, on this Tuesday. So it's safe, you know, private for a week, but that's going to be really hard to stay <laughs> to stay private. Um, well, especially once training camp starts and there's no Ben Simmons. <laughs> that, no that'd kidding. be a pretty good hand. Now, so the, the, the real issue, though, Bontemps, is like this getting public, I think, has not – it was already going to be tough to trade him, especially if, the, if Philly was, was asking for him like he was at the prime of his value. You know, I know that there are people who are pitching certain trade situations, but it's just not the time to trade a guy. Which is no. which is which is why Simmons is trying to force it because he knows if he doesn't force it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I mean, look, this obviously makes the situation a little more complicated. But in the end, we're in the exact same place we were when we talked about this last Thursday, and really in the same place that it's been since the moment Ben Simmons passed out of that dunk in game seven of the of the Eastern conference semifinals, where it's hard to see how long-term he's going to be in Philly. But as we've also said many, many times on this podcast, if there is a single executive in the league who is not going to be afraid of having this situation get ugly and uncomfortable until it gets to a resolution he wants, it is Daryl Morey. And I don't think that a Ben Simmons trade demand, I don't think a Ben Simmons not coming to training camp. I don't think any of these things are going to change the fundamental course the Sixers are going to take, which is until there is a resolution in particular with the Damian Lillard situation in Portland, I think that this situation is going to stay in the same place it's in unless the Sixers are able to get a commensurate package that is good enough that they could turn around and then use to their benefit in a trade for a player like Damian Lillard. And I think but that anything wouldn't short probably happen until that player is available. They're not going to no. make that on spec. No, I understand. I'm just yeah. saying, I, I think this is not, I don't think this, I think everything that's happened doesn't change the landscape. And what I find interesting about this is that Ben Simmons throughout this whole thing, I think has carried himself like he is one of the true stars in the league. And if you go back and look in recent years, guys who have been in similar situations like this, Anthony Davis, James Harden, mm -hmm. to some extent, Jimmy Butler, um, those guys all had teams lining up to trade for them despite everything that was going on. And in this circumstance, that's not really the case. 
Now, Ben Simmons could be traded. He could be traded now for something, but he's not going to be traded for what you would expect a three-time All-Star with four years of team control that's 25 that has the physical gifts that he does is going to be traded for. So, so McMahon, on, uh, he, go ahead. No, all I was going to finish with was, so unless Daryl Morey decides he has to cut bait now and make a trade to make a trade, which as I think we all agree, he is unlikely to do based off his track record. I just think this is going to remain ugly for a while and uncomfortable for everybody well, involved until one of these other parts of this situation truly fundamentally changes. Also based on where they are as an organization, this is a mature team. This, I mean, uh, I must say every team has room for young players that can, that can develop, but you know, this is a team that is at the end of the process, not at the beginning. McMahon, I remember, you know, last year when the Harden trade went down, mm-hmm. there was a lot of speculation that, you know, the, um, the, the Rockets didn't want to do a deal really with the, with the Sixers because of how Maury's departure went and that they were really a stalking horse uh, just to try to get Brooklyn's offer up as being another party who's bidding. But I remember you reporting at the time that the, the Rockets just didn't want Ben Simmons. Yeah, look, and that was when his value the, was higher. I, there's been a lot of discussion, you know, reporting whatever the case may be about the Maury dynamic, but the, it really simply came down to this: the Rockets felt like, listen, if we're trading James Harden, this is a full-fledged rebuild, and Ben Simmons is not the centerpiece of a rebuild. Now, and and honestly, if you now that things have played out, and certainly there was some some luck involved with the way the you know the lottery balls bounce, the ping pong balls bounce with them ending up two and not sending you know the fifth pick to OKC. But if they get Ben Simmons, you know the Rockets win I don't know a handful more games, and they are just at best on a path to to mediocrity. They did not feel like he was a build your franchise around this guy kind of player. Now, they feel like they've got one of those guys now with uh, with, with Jalen Green. Obviously, you know, a lot to be seen, a lot to be proven there. But and I, I don't think that the Rockets' opinion of Ben Simmons is an outlier. And that's why like nope. this, this James Harden type of package that they're asking for that that's not the market for Ben Simmons, and you know, okay, hey, let's wait until Bradley Beal uh, potentially asks for a trade. Let's wait until Damian Lillard potentially. Well, I don't know that a Ben Simmons fronted package will be the 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 most attractive offer for one of those guys. There, there's no, you know, it's well, not a certainty that that, I agree that, with that, that. Sixers may are able to make that deal. I yeah, the interesting that. the interesting thing about Ben is that to your point. McMahon, Ben is sort of a 25 year old Russell Westbrook. And I say that in the sense that if you're trying to win 45 games, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons is a great guy to have on your team. He's an awesome defensive player. He's incredibly versatile. He's a terrific passer. He's awesome in the open court. He does a lot of things that can help you win games over 82 games. But if, as we've seen in the playoffs repeatedly, most particularly with his uh, complete unwillingness to shoot from the perimeter and to shoot it all in the fourth quarter, he's a guy that's very hard to build around in playoff games. And so, like, I think in a, in a scenario like this, I think what the Sixers would ideally like to do is, okay, the Portland, Portland says Dame Lillard's going to be available. If you put Ben Simmons on the market, there are a bunch of teams that would be interested in him if, for teams that are trying to get up to a certain level. 
Then you get some other assets. You put a bunch of picks together, right. some young guys, right. whatever. Then you, you present that team, to Portland. Three team trade. That's yeah. right. But it, but it's just hard. That's the thing about Ben. It's for as good as he is, his flaws are so glaring that if you're trying to be a real contending team, it's difficult to build around him and have him be part of like a main part of your championship. Well, the, core. The, the other thing this. is how many teams would trade their best player for Ben Simmons? I Not think a it's a very, I mean, like, let's just bring up Sacramento, for example. They've basically said, you're not, you can't get our best player, Darren Fox. You can't get our most promising young player, Tyrese Halliburton. And again, like, I don't know that there's a lot of teams that are, you know, w- would say, hey, our best player is, is uh, you know, we, we'll put him in the conversation. Well, a class, I mean, look, we, for, the other thing is, is that Ben has shown, you know, there's certain times teams look at other guys and like, look, if we just get this guy here, we can do some some things with him. And, you know, in a different set of circumstances, Ben's talents could be taken advantage of differently. Mm-hmm. But when you see a player who is really unwilling to follow the most basic instructions of development, i.e. shoot, right, and also reacts to pressure situations like he has and is now forcing his way out with a holdout. That's not exactly, I mean, you know, teams will bend over backwards for superstars. They will tolerate a lot and it's usually a good deal, but it, he doesn't quite fit the profile of it. And, and that's an issue, but there are like, there are teams that could trade, that could put a trade together where they wouldn't be sending their best player for him. But Uh, it's a matter Not according to what Daryl Morey's been asking for. Well, uh, like I said, let's I don't be let's be real. At some point, Daryl Morey is going to have to be realistic about what the market is. If if the deal is going to get done, well, that's what Ben's trying to, to force realistic. him to do right now. And here's the other thing: holdouts. And I mean, he's not holding out yet. And you know, the, I remember dealing with. I've covered, unfortunately, a number of holdouts because, like over the course of my 10 years covering the Cavs or 12 years or whatever it was, mm-hmm. there was four guys who held out and some of them were, were free agents. So it wasn't a holdout per se, but um, they generally have worked for star players. And certainly right. the last two seasons, I know that Jimmy Butler wasn't like out for weeks on end, but he essentially, and he had like an injury and he was excused, but he was essentially holding out. Right. I know Harden, like, again, didn't hold out for weeks on end, but like his, his whole act, his, his point got, you know, his message got across. Right. The point is that they were that trying we, to make the Timberwolves and the Rockets very uncomfortable. And I know the Rockets said we're comfortable with being uncomfortable, but clearly they weren't. But it didn't last that long. That's it, right. it, it, it's the, the point is to make it crystal clear. This relationship is not salvageable. That's so right. he will not get play. The, get the momentum going yes. on getting a deal done. And yes. there's and so, it's one thing to hold out in camp. It's another when game checks come. But it, 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 the, the message well, is. Hold on about hey. that. Hold on about that. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. 
sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. He actually can be fined. Bobby Marks uh, set me straight on this. So he can be fined. This is crazy. He can be fined $227,000 a day for not showing up. Now, typically NBA teams, especially in training camp, early season, typically NBA teams work, quote unquote, work six days a week, whether it's uh, practice or games. Um. That means that for every week, if they wanted to find him for every week, he could be fined about $1.3 million. It makes a lot of money, <laughs> but, but that's um, so that is what they could do. And so, you know, the Simmons side basically has told me we are prepared for their, for that ramification. But what I think the reality is, is that Ben Simmons doesn't, you know, NBA players get paid on different schedules. Um, some of them get paid uh, early. Some of them, you know, get their, like, like LeBron James for like the last 10 years. There's, I don't remember what the figure is, but there's a certain amount that you're allowed to get on July 1st every year. I don't know if it's 25% or 50%. I think uh, it's but, 50, but I don't, I don't remember for sure. But LeBron gets it. <laughs> yeah. There's a handful of guys in the league who gets it. LeBron gets half of his salary on July 1st. In fact, when we had the uh, shutdown for COVID-19 and the players had their salaries reduced, LeBron had already made like his whole salary for the year. And so basically he had to write the league an IOU because he had already been like overpaid and he had to like <laughs> have it debited out of his check the next year. But yeah. Ben's contract, uh, he doesn't get his first check for the 2021-22 season until November 15th. So technically they can fine him $75 million, but he doesn't actually lose money until November 15th. And that's 10 weeks from now. So there's 10 weeks to get this resolved, whether it's him coming back in and raising the white flag, which I would bet against today. Hmm. uh, And they decide, you know, they decide not to find him or it's 10 weeks till he gets fined or it's 10 weeks till he gets traded. And his new team isn't going to start off by saying, yeah, we're going to apply that 76ers (laughs) uh, uh, fine. So, you know, there's a chance he's not going to lose any money um, because, you know, the adjudication doesn't come until, you know, well after training camp starts, but he can, face that and if the Sixers want to do that they could I don't know if it's the best way to do business but they could do that well here's the other thing to remember too we're talking about a Sixers team as you pointed out earlier that's not in a position where they're going to be wanting young assets back because Mm -hmm. they're trying to win now they have Joel Embiid who's arguably the best player in the league they're trying to win a championship with him and the other thing is this is a team that's well over the salary cap it's not like they could trade Ben Simmons for nothing uh, salary wise and go into next off season and have lots of money to go chase a player. That's so right. they can't, they cannot trade Ben Simmons for 25 cents on the dollar. They just can't because this is one of their few avenues 
to get a significant player back to remain a championship level well, team. One of the th- well, one of the things that could be interesting for them is Therese Maxey. He was very good in his limited time in the playoffs last year. He was very good in summer league. Mm-hmm. What if he comes into camp and has a really good preseason? And they're like, wow, we might be able to play this guy as our ball handling guard. That if that happens, that could change some things. Um, you know, by the like, way, a, a, a clutch client, which you know, I think as ugly as things might get, you still need to maintain a working professional relationship with, with yes Rich, and no. Rich Paul and well, Clutch. Let me just say something. I have known Rich Paul for almost 20 years. Okay. Uh, we are not friends. Um, he gets mad at me on a regular basis. Trust me. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you one thing. He gets mad at me about something. We deal with it and it's over with. And we have new business the following week or the following month. And this is how I've watched Rich operate since the first day he became an agent. You can go and you can have a knockdown, drag out fight with him about a player, whether it's a contract or a trade demand because he's had a lot or whatever. And then if, if, and if the next day you have to deal with him on another player, mm-hmm. he will not let it affect him. I see these people saying, well, you don't want to get on the wrong side of clutch sports and Rich doesn't want his guys in a certain city or whatever. If he doesn't want his guys in a certain city, it's because he doesn't like the coach or the organization or whatever. It's not because they mistreated another player. He, I would say one of the traits that he has as a businessman is his ability to completely section off player to player. He has always right. been that way. His, I remember when he, you know, he was with CAA um, and part of LeBron's representation when LeBron left and went to Miami. And the first game that the Cavs had after LeBron left, Rich was sitting courtside. And they ended up drafting Tristan Thompson, one of his clients, and he was there all the time. Um, when LeBron walked on Cleveland, the guy who made the call to the Cavs to inform them that he was leaving was Rich. He was also the guy that negotiated his LeBron's return four years mm-hmm. later. So this is a quick aside here. I see people making assumptions about him. Um, you can find fault with the way he does things. And, you know, he just got sued by Nerlens Noel, a player last week. I wrote the story about him getting sued. Okay. I had to reach out to him and say, do you have a comment on this? Um, he did not. All right. So, um, uh, I'm just telling you, if you want to find faults with him, you can find them. But as making assumptions that he's going to let something that happens with Ben Simmons affect the way he conducts business with the Sixers for Tyrese Maxey is just not who he is. Okay. But, but Bontemps, let's say Maxey looks good in the preseason. Yeah. Let's say they say, this guy can be our starting point guard. Yep. What, you know, like, like, let me just, I don't think this is necessary. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm, I didn't hear this. Nobody's whispered this to me. No possibility. I'm just coming up with a complete and total me, myself, and I coming up with this. Are we agreed? What if Golden State were to come with an offer of one or two of their young guys and Andrew Wiggins, and they know that Tyrese Maxey can be a, a, their functional starting point guard? That's information that we may not have today. I I think I think you I think it's an interesting point. And I think the thing that's interesting about what you're saying is not the trade part of this. 
It's that, again, the Sixers are trying to win a championship, right? If they have a starting lineup on opening night of Tyrese Maxey, Danny Green, Matisse Thibel, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid, that's still a pretty good team. Yeah, It's not a team that's going to win 35 games. They, they have the ability to still be a good, solid team while this situation plays out. And I, yeah. I think it bears repeating. They are in a position where they have to make a trade that allows them to still be a championship caliber team. They cannot make a trade that's going to set them back three steps. So I think that is the thing that people have to look at, I think, through the prism of all of this stuff, like saying, oh, the Sixers just have to get this over with in the next couple of weeks. You can't have this hanging over the team in training camp. No, that is the opposite way you have to look at this. This is the one move they have to make. And they are they have been clearly focused on trying to get Damian Lillard or some other star player in there for a while. And I do not see a scenario in which Daryl Morey lets that go by the board to just let it to just have a uncomfortable situation go away. And I think the Tyrese Maxey point is important in that the Sixers do have a point guard that they can start on their team and they do have other good players. So it's not like, you know, again, barring a Joel injury, which would mess their team up anyway, they're probably not going to be 10 and 25. 35 games into the season, even if Ben doesn't play a game, they're still going to be pretty good and they can wait and see how this thing shakes out. Yeah. And, and as you said earlier, if there is a uh, decision-making executive in the league who doesn't mind being uncomfortable or, or is immune to being uncomfortable, I would say <laughs> yep. It, yep. it is Daryl Morey. I mean, this is a guy, uh, there, there was a player with the Rockets who eventually ended up getting traded, but basically, you know, he was almost from the time he signed, he was in, in trade rumors. For some reason, this guy invited Daryl Morey to his bachelor party. Daryl Morey pulled him over to the side of his bachelor party and, and you know, brought up trade rumors. <laughs> the guy's like, what are you, like, Daryl, go have a drink. <laughs> Leave me alone. I don't need you to lie to my face right now. Um, you know, like the Chris Paul situation. <laughs> I, I firmly imagine believe- inviting your general manager to your bachelor party. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was on the player. <laughs> um, I, I, I firmly believe that had Russell Westbrook not become available, that the Rockets would have gone into the next season with Chris Paul on the roster. I, I firmly believe had it been completely Daryl Morey's decision, they would have done that because his thing was, look, it's about he, he's always been about talent. That's over right. Over chemistry. That is what is he? What has he always been about, Tim? Maximizing your championship window, right? Yes. That's it's it's all he ever thinks about. So yeah. trading Ben Simmons for 35 cents on the dollar to just get him out of the way and dramatically diminishing their championship window is polar opposite of everything this guy has ever said. Yeah, and, and don't you and, think and you that, could, that was related to Ben at that? I don't know this. Let me be yeah. clear. I don't know this for sure, but don't you think they told Ben that before they left or have right. told them that since. And and look, I also can look at it from, from Ben Simmons perspective and be like, you know what? I get that. It ain't my job to restore my For trade sure. value from For the sure. day Daryl Morey got to Philly. He's been trying to trade Ben Simmons. And you know, if you're a 76ers fan, you're like, yeah, no crap. You try to trade him for James Harden. <laughs> who wouldn't, but still you understand that Ben Simmons knows, okay, he, this guy tried hard to trade me last year. The playoffs went the wrong way. Uh, you know, the the my co-star backed the bus over me. The coach backed the bus over me. Yeah, and and so you know, Ben Simmons is looking at like, look, the the relationship's over. 
Not my job to restore my value. I don't want to play another second with the Sixers. I'm not going to do anything that would lead to that. Well, what, what a Sixers fan would say here is, well, you're signed for, for four more years. You don't have any leverage. You have to come play. And he doesn't have leverage. His leverage really is. His leverage this, is making it uncomfortable. That's, that's his right. leverage. That, that, that for every day of training camp, that the players and Embiid is going to get asked and Doc is going to get asked, what about Ben Simmons? Or that let's say that even if Maxi plays well or whatever happens with Maxi, let's say they start one in three or something. Yeah. They yeah. Have to, that's, that's his leverage. And well, um, and, you know, and, and honestly, his leverage is if he does go out there and play, it's, you know, half-ass effort. It's taken two shots in 33 minutes. You know, it's, I mean. Like, that sounds like Kevin Love. Well, yeah, like Kevin Love, although, you know, I think Simmons value is a little bit different there. Honestly, it's like what Harden did last year in Houston. Harden came out, balled in the opener, just to kind of remind people, hey, I'm that dude. I can go for 44 and 17 fresh off the, uh, you know, Atlanta Vegas training camp tour. Um, And then he he mailed it in the rest of the time he was in a Rockets uniform. The the difference, though, with this and that, Tim, is that if Ben Simmons comes out and plays really well, Maybe some teams will step up with some offers to get closer to where the Sixers are at, right? Like that's True. the thing. Like his it, his leverage in trying to get something to happen immediately is to make things uncomfortable. I think his I think his best path to getting out of Philly as fast as he can is to show up and play really well, because that, that be could, that that's the one way I think that his value could increase. I don't think any of this stuff is going to dramatically decrease his value or decrease what teams are going to trade for him because everybody knows the pros and cons of Ben's game. It's not like any of that is going right. to change if he's just sitting at home, not playing, but if he shows up and is, you know, balling out and playing great. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not happy here, but I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get out of here and play. Well, like maybe that boosts his value. Somebody gets out of there, but you know, it's maybe, but, but ultimately it, I don't think it boosts it to the point where there's a, you know, if, if the ask is superstar plus in return, it's just, that ain't happening. No, I agree. I mean, look, that's all, that's all coming from the same place that they're not going to trade him unless it allows them to have the ability to trade for another guy. Like that's all it comes down to. Like right. they're just, they're just not going to trade him for a collection of middling role players. Like they're just not going to do that. Like people keep talking about Minnesota, like the idea that they're going to trade Ben Simmons for Balik Beasley and Jada McDaniels and, some filler right. salary. I just well, think it's and again, insane. it's like it's like Sacramento. You know, we're not talking about playoff teams here, but these are you know, Minnesota's like no, Cat's not in the conversation. No, right. Anthony Edwards well, Sacramento conversation. It, so it, the reason with, some of these teams are interested in him is that it's very difficult to sign a star player, and he is a star. He may not be a superstar, but he is a star. It, sure. it's, it's nobody's going to. Some of these places are never going to be able to get a star player as a free agent, and by doing it this way, they get a guy who's under contract for four years. Right. That's why if he's you're somewhat if you're, attractive. If you're Minnesota or Sacramento or Cleveland, some team that's like trying to get back in the playoff mix, and you could turn some stuff into Ben Simmons, that that's a great deal because again, yeah, and look, if you're trying to win forty five games, he's really going to help you a lot. Yeah, and would he fit great with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards? Absolutely. The problem is, if the conversation with the non-playoff team starts at their third or fourth best player, like right, you know, then right. then you know we're talking about Maury asking too much. Like I don't blame him for not wanting to right. participate in those discussions. And that and that's the rub here. That's just that's the rub of this whole thing is that you've got you've got Ben thinking I'm a star. Teams want to trade for me, trade me somewhere. 
You've got the Sixers saying, we want to trade for a superstar. You are a star, but we can't trade you for 50 cents on the dollar and then trade you for a star. We can't trade you to like open up tap space to go sign a star. So that's where the gulf is. And I just, it's going to be hard for them to fill it anytime soon, which again is why I just think this situation is going to drag on and on and on until we see either teams come up with offers somewhere close to where Philly wants, or you see some movement on either Dame or Bradley Beal or one of these, okay. or some guy of that caliber player, which does not seem to come be coming anytime soon either. Okay. So to be continued, one other thing we want to talk about before we left was another significant move that happened in the league um, last end of last week. Um, a very unusual and unexpected three team sign and trade that sent Lowry market into Cleveland, Larry Nance to Portland and um, a first round pick and some other pieces to Chicago. Um, this was a move that, I mean, I don't think is going to have a significant impact on the NBA this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a couple of things came out of it. One, it made it a hundred percent clear that the Cavs are focused on trying to get out of Kevin love because they've now drafted Evan Mobley signed Jared Allen to a hundred million dollar deal and then signed Larry, Larry Markkinen to a $67 million deal. And marketing is not a small forward. You, I guess you can try to play him there for 10, but that's not no, who he is. He ain't, so those, he ain't a small forward. So those no. three guys are going to be playing. And so now you're going to have this whole love situation. That's number one. Number two. And, and, and loves agent telling Woj, we ain't doing buyouts. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or bike plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Well, here's the thing. Before we get past that, let me just stop with that. Kevin Love, you know, to get out of that, you know, we saw Blake Griffin. How much, Bon Times, how much did Blake still have on his contract? Uh, I don't remember the exact number. It was around 70 million and he yeah, gave he, back he, 20. I, he, no, he didn't give back. I thought he gave back like 12, or 12, or 12. No, no, 13. You're right. 13, right, 13. No. You're right. Okay. K- Kemba so, gave back 20. That's what I was thinking. That's right. Kemba gave back 20, but then got it back from the, from the Knicks. Uh, Blake Griffin gave back 12 ish, 13 million. Um, he's, he ended up signing minimums with the nets. Uh, he's not going to make that money up. So he is, it's going to have cost him around 10 million bucks, but he got to go play a significant role for a contender. So he's, that's what he, that's what he got for his money. 
So basically, that's the starting point for the Cavs, too. Kevin Love's owed $60 million over this year and next. They're like, listen, you want to go play for somebody else, it's going to cost you. And then it becomes a debate. Yep. It's going to cost you $10 million? Is it going to cost you $15 million or wherever? And, I and know that where's they... his landing spot? Right. Well, hold on for a second. I know that Kevin and the Cavs can say that they haven't had buyout conversations, but of course <laughs> they've right. had buyout conversations. It's ridiculous to believe that they haven't. So what, what, what's happened here is Kevin was like, you know, in a position where he's like, boy, how much money am I willing to give up? And then they do this deal for marketing. And Kevin looks at the, you know, this is what I believe happened. I'm not hundred percent sure of this, but Kevin has to look at this and say, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this depth you, chart does not look great. Right. You can't play me. You know, um, you don't want me around not playing. Like you got to, you know, you've got your, your uh, front court of the future here. You got to get rid of me. So guess what? You're just going to have to release me. I want all 60 million. Just cut <laughs> right? me. Okay. And if you're the Cavs, you're going to be like, huh, we're not going to cut you. We have a plan where, where everybody's going to have minutes and JB Bickerstaff is going to figure it out. Good luck, coach. And they're going to be like, we're not. Can we interest you? And in, can we interest you in being the go-to guy on the Canton charge? <laughs> no longer in Canton. They're now oh. in back. They've been, they've been relocated to Cleveland. How dare you? Um, reference. So, um, well, they just had, it just happened. So, um, that's, what's going on with, with love. But now Kevin love is getting out of there. Come hell or high water. At some point, he's going to be a free agent and where he goes, it could be interesting. Uh, don't call Jerry Colangelo for uh, a letter of recommendation <laughs> because that's not going to be happening. Um, so that is the fallout of this. The other thing is, is that the, the, I, I'm not sure that it like dramatically changed the trajectory of the trailblazers, but getting Larry Nance, who's one of the better uh, four or five defenders in the league is a nice pickup for the blazers. And I mean, it takes me from, it takes me from being unsure if they're going to be over to thinking they're going to be over. Like, I think they're going to be a top six or seven team now. I and, wasn't but, sure about that before. And, and notably they gave up a first round pick, a, a, a team that is bracing to have to, uh, to move, the you know the the longtime face of the franchise, you know that's not a team that's giving up first round picks. Well, it's also the, what Dame wanted. Now, I think Dame would have preferred you know they trade for you know Bradley Beal. Right. It's not a, a perfect because it's CJ's position, but some it's some not, superstar player. Yeah. They he would like them to have got some star player. Yeah, out. I think that's what he prefer. But I think that was the type of thing he's looking for. The question is, is this the, is this the Rockets trading, uh, giving up a first round pick to get Robert Covington? You they know, already have Robert Harden... Coving- the Blazers already have Robert. Well, Covington. My, yeah, my, my, my point is, <laughs> I know, you know what I'm, saying? What saying? And then it, it still ends up going down anyways. With the well, that could, and maybe it's, maybe it is just sort of, sort of, it's a half measure because if they do have to trade Dave, they're obviously going to get a whole bunch of stuff back. Well, and it's, like it is a lottery team. and it's a lottery to protect it first, but he's a good player who fits a position in need for them. I, I yeah. really like, I mean, it's a really good move for them. It makes them, I think a decent amount better. It's not a move that's going to, you know, make them the number one seed in the West, but he's a good player. He's had some injury issues. He could stay healthy. He's a good shooter or he's gotten become a decent shooter. He's a really good defensive player. Versatile can be a small ball center can play on the either forward spot. Like he, He's a really nice he, fit he, there. He fits what they need. Um, whether he moves the needle is a you know. Or, or, yeah, I'm not trying to say they're going to be. And how much does he move the needle? You know, that's the thing with Dame. It's not about like, hey, are they better? Sure. Are they? Do you look at them and say they've got a, a chance of coming out of the West? No. Right. Yeah. 
I don't think it's really that much different, but at least I do think the window for Dame to have demanded a trade is now temporarily closed. We'll yeah. see how temporarily it is, but I think I mean we'll see where they're at January fifteenth. Yeah. yeah, only you know. only he knows how close he was, but he was as close as he's ever been, and I think he's backed away from it. And I was just talking to somebody. Um, I think he's getting married soon. Number one, Dame. I think he's getting married this month, um, and also he's working very hard on his latest record. So I was talking to someone who knows him. Uh, just this week and they were saying dame is focused on this wedding and this record he's no longer talking about like uh wanting to you know his unhappiness or whatever un- un- the uncomfort with the blazers so i guess that's a win for the blazers in the short term because the water was boiling and i think now it's just simmering so um by the way a win i think you gotta say this is a win for the bulls in this situation okay hold on now we're going to get to the Bulls. Okay. A lot of no. people did say it was a win for the Bulls. And I want to know why. Because well, I'll, I, I'll be you, the 100th person to say, the 1,000th person to say, why didn't the Bulls, who have no defense? First off, that's that a fair question. To, while, while they were able to, the fact that they were able to get something for Lowry of value, considering right. how acidic that had become and considering they were at the end of the transaction season and there was very little options for him. Uh, I think, in, um, I think that was a, a good vacuum, accomplishment. But. Yes. In a vacuum, getting a first round pick for Lowry marketing, even a protected pick is when a you win. had no plans to keep them. That's right. That, yes. that is a win in a vacuum. Now, as we have talked about repeatedly on the pod in recent weeks, the Chicago Bulls have clearly gone all in on the 2021-22 season. And as an extension of that, have gone all in on trying to keep Zach Levine. So let's look at this transaction. There's one good player. Just changed agents. Well, that's right. Just changed agents to Rich Paul. Uh, But there's one good player in this trade, in my opinion. That is Larry Nance Jr. And the Cavs could have just done Larry Nance Jr. for Lowry Marketing. That could have been the trade. It worked. It worked. It, under the well, the reason standards. Lowry's salary is where it is is because of the money coming out from Larry Nance going out of Cleveland. So that could have been the trade. Could have just done Larry Nance for Lowry marketing. Now, if I'm the Bulls and I'm trying to be as good as possible in 2021-22, would I rather have Larry Nance or would I rather have Derek Jones Jr., who is an okay yeah. player, is a decent fit for their team, and that he's a defender who doesn't really shoot, but they've got plenty of other guys to score. He'll catch lobs from Lonzo. He'll catch, and he'll catch lobs from Lonzo. Like He's an okay fit there. He's not a terrible player. Um, would you rather have that, or would you rather have a guy who's basically a younger version of Thad Young, who is the guy that we've talked about was a huge loss for them at trade? I would rather have Larry Nance Jr. by a pretty significant amount. So that's where, to me, that's where I struggle with the logic here from the Bulls side, because yes, it is a win to get a first for him, and to get Derek Jones, who's an okay player, and you don't pay Lowry long-term, which I think would have been a mistake. But if you're trying to win right now, the best guy in the trade went somewhere else who you could have got in the trade. Yeah. Portland didn't need to be in the trade. He could have said, hey, guys, send us Larry Nance. We'll send Larry Market, and we're all done here. The Cavs also tossed in a second, so the Bulls could have probably got well, that second. The, 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 the Cavs tossed in, by the way. People have said like the Bulls got a second. The Bulls basically got a fake second in that trade. Okay. I mean, it's a well, top whatever. 47 protected second round. Okay, pick, so like, well, whatever. 
All right. So <laughs> I love um, the protection on second round picks. It's insane. It's My really favorites insane. are the top 55 protected. Yes. Those are truly fake. This you one. You want to know why they're fake. top 55 protected? Because they don't, the league doesn't allow top 59 That's right. protected. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, at some point they had to come up with a rule on that. They're like, should we make it 55 or 57? All right. 55. <laughs> um, so um, the other thing I think that the, the, so this question got asked around the league. Why wouldn't you just take Larry Nance? Mm -hmm. And the belief in the league is that it's because Derek Jones' uh, contract ended after this season. And Larry Nance, even though it's a reasonable contract, I think he's around nine and change next year. It's under $10 million. Uh, They didn't want the money on their books for next year because uh, they've got all these contracts that they signed that are going to go up and they're preparing to – you know, offer Zach Levine a max or near max contract. I assume it's going to be a max. I don't want to get stuck in that, but, um, and they're watching. The <laughs> I would say if they want to keep them, it better be a max. Well, if they want to keep them. They they better have the best team possible this year. That too. So um, now maybe Arturis would say, Arturis Kanishvis, their general manager would say, well, just wait and see what we do with that first round pick. And we'll have Derek Jones, whatever that first round pick can deliver us. And we'll make us better. And maybe that will very, be the case. It's very hard to see that package being better than Larry Nance. If it is, kudos to them. But it's hard to see if they do that. <laughs> Larry congrats Nance. To, congrats to Markinen, by the way, for getting sixty-seven million or whatever the guarantee is well, in the last year. Still, well, I saw Lowry. You know, he he had these quotes. I think it was to a. I don't think he's done it. Was in, it was in it was in Finland. Yeah, so I don't know how they got translated, but he was very uh excited about joining the Cavs. I mean this is a marriage of convenience. Um he's going to a place where he's not going to be the starter. I was going <laughs> to say he the, the role doesn't necessarily change a whole lot, no, but I mean, hey, he got he got money. He he was frustrated he wasn't the starter in Chicago and he just went to a place where the 4 and 5 there are the two cornerstones of their Yeah, one one just got a 100 million dollar deal, one was the number 3 <laughs> overall pick. Right. <laughs> And yep. um, so he took the money where he could get it. And, you know, he, he, he had to deal with the realities and the frustrations of being a restricted free agent. It's, you know, but, you know, I, I, I don't know if there was anybody who was very happy with this. Um, you know, Nance is from Cleveland. Other than Larry Nance. I think Larry Nance well, is pretty yeah. happy. I, well, I think Nance is happy because even though he was from Cleveland, he was seeing the same thing that Lowry was yeah, seeing. Which right. Look at all these guys who are going to play all these minutes. And I still want to have one more big contract out of me. How am I going to get it? If I'm, you know, the fifth big. Well, now uh, he goes or, to a good team. He gives a good team right. where they, they're going to win a lot of games. Assuming Dame is still right. there and he's going to have a big role there as opposed to, and I mean, he would probably rather been in Cleveland than any other bad team given he's right. from there and has obviously deep roots there, but still like this point in his career, you would think you would want to go. I think I think I think once if he had found out that marketing was coming to the cab, let's say that they just had cap space and they signed him. I think he would have probably said, uh, there might not be room for me here. Can you trade me? So um, the fact that it that it came with the trade of him, I think, ended up working out. But uh, let's just see. Let's just see where the Bulls are defensively. Uh, Nance is one of the league leaders in steals. Now, the problem is he has apparently has fragile hands. He has great hands because he he is one of the league leaders in steals as a big. He can switch out to small guys and defend them, but he keeps having hand and wrist injuries because yeah. he's reaching for these balls. But um, let's just see when we get into the season 
whether or not that defensive big could have really been used by the Bulls. Let's see well, if this season they're looking for a defensive big man. Well, listen, um, McMahon mentioned it. McMahon mentioned it before. It was Zach changing agents? You did the story talking to Zach during Team USA when he talked about wanting his respect. You look, Bobby is our Bobby Marks, our our you know cap guru, has already looked ahead to next summer, and it's going to be the summer of Zach Levine. There's really not a lot of other the guys. Summer that, of Zach Levine. I mean, there's no, there's the way that the league is going now with these extensions. We saw Clint Capella sign an extension this week. Mike Stinger at the Denver Post reported that uh, Aaron Gordon and the Nuggets are probably going to come to an extension agreement. Yes, like you're seeing, right. most of these guys are extending ahead of time, yep. not getting to free agency. We saw all these, you know, Joel has extended out. All these other guys have extended and are not going to be on the market. So the Bulls have put themselves in this position where, you know, as you've mentioned several times on the pod, Brian, they could have tried to go to Zach and do some full renegotiation and extend, try to get him up to a max this summer back. Well, I think they had discussions about an extension with Zach, but they didn't, they prioritized spending their cap space on the road. They prioritized trying to be, they prioritized rather than locking him up to a max now, trying to surround him with as much talent to win now. Because Zach, as we have also talked about, has never won four games in a row in his NBA career. So yeah. their bet is that we're going to come back. We're going to have a playoff team. Zach's going to be the star of our playoff team. And that's going to get him to want to stay. But maybe that'll happen. Better, and maybe it will happen. But it had better happen because that is the that is the situation they have built well, for themselves. And if they you finish. Have said, you have said that you think that the Bulls will have a losing record this year. I do think that. If, I, we, I, get, if, yeah. if we get to January. And the Bulls have a losing record or are near losing record. What's Zach Levine going to do? Mm. Now, maybe we get to January and they're in fourth place. I don't know. I, I just think you look at that and maybe they squeak into the playoffs, but you're talking about the the two biggest moves they made, with all due respect to Lonzo Ball, is is in the last year is two 30 plus year old, you know, very good offensive players, subpar defensive players. It's just, I just think it's very difficult to look at that situation from Zach Levine, a a star potential, you know, superstar entering his prime and feeling like, man, the arrow was really pointed up here. Well, look, so, if you look, if you uh, look is at there the any, East, is there any, is there any way you think Zach Levine could make the all NBA team this year? Yeah. That, I mean, dude, he put up all NBA caliber numbers. I would, I would say I the wouldn't. biggest, the biggest obstacle would be the bulls record, honestly. Yeah. I mean, he had, he, he had some support, I would say weak support, but some support in circles last year to be an all NBA player um, to Tim's point. I mean, look, if like, could Zach Levine, you know, why Julius asking, Rand- right? well, no, yeah. because he could get to Supermax. and listen, like th- look at the season Julius Randall had like Zach Levine, Zach Levine had never really had a breakout season like he did last year before there were, there, there were, there were debates about how really good Zach Levine was until last year. And then he really took a big step forward. He made the all-star team for the first time. He, you know, he obviously played on Team USA. You were there for Brian. Like he could be Julius Randle next year and lead the Bulls to 48 wins. Like if the Bulls finish fourth or fifth in the East, Zach very well may make an All NBA team next year. That's very possible. But again, like you look at the top of the East, you got Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn, Philly, probably all going to be better than Chicago. I think Atlanta's probably going to be better than Chicago. That's already five teams. Then you've got the Knicks, the Celtics. The Raptors, the Pacers with Tim's friend Rick Carlisle coaching them. They're probably going to be a lot better. You got the Wizards who have a bunch of depth. You have Charlotte, which is going to be okay. There's a lot of good, solid teams in the middle of the East. Like it's not easy to just roll up 
43 wins to make the playoffs this year. So McMahon, you know, did, we'll see what you happens. Should, you should ride with Carlisle when he flies his plane from Dallas. He sold his plane during the pandemic. Oh, he, he no longer has that plane. Now uh, he can afford a new one, but he, he, <laughs> by <laughs> but the way, so we're going to go here in a second, but by the way, well, McMahon, I actually want to ask one question about this. Isn't, isn't flying like the perfect pandemic pastime be up in the air by yourself. Plus <clears> gas <throat> was cheap. I don't, I don't know. He, he just told me, I asked if he'd gone, you know, if he'd been flying it all lately and told me he sold his plane. So here's the thing, like McMahon did this story one time about flying with Carlisle on his plane. And he's referenced incredible this story. Times. And this plane has a built-in parachute. So if the plane breaks or there's disaster in the air, if, can, if things go haywire, he can hit a button and, and the parachute pops out. So I'm going to tell you this. I thought about this because over the summer there was a, two planes that collided near mm. the Denver airport. One of them was like a, a, like a propeller cargo plane and it hit one of these planes that had a, had a parachute and the guy hit the parachute and landed safely. There you go. So how about that? Now, when I went up in this plane, <laughs> he sold Carlisle, that plane. <laughs> yeah, he, what he didn't tell me until after I'd already been up in the air with him was that he wouldn't let his wife and daughter fly with him. And he, he, he didn't but value you, my life. No problem. You hang out the window there's, for all I care. There's two buttons. There's a parachute and an ejector for the, uh, <laughs> the <passenger seat. laughs> actually the, 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 the button. Oh, no, I was, I was backseat. There was a flight instructor who was, uh, who's riding shotgun. There's a button for that too. All <laughs> right. Thanks. For listening to collective podcast. Thank you to Bon Temps and McMahon. Hope everybody has a good weekend. Um, college football is going on. I got Ohio state playing tonight. Hope it's a victory. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. We'll talk to you later. I miss And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.